0: God, you are our firm foundation. Even when wind is blowing, snow snow is blowing, and it is so stinking cold. We just want spring, but you're still our firm foundation. And so this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes to see you. That you would open our ears to hear your words. You know, you would open our hearts for your Holy Spirit to make us more like you, to form and shape us into your image. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. So on August 27th in 1883, in Indonesia, a volcano on the island of Krakatoa erupted. The blast killed more than 36,000 people, and it was 10,000 times more powerful than the atomic bomb. And the eruption was even heard from people 2,000 miles away in Perth. And the whole planet experienced environmental effects. And fire brigades were even called from North America. And then all of the surrounding islands thought the world was ending as fire made the skies red and rocks rained down from the sky. The island was destroyed. Human and plant life was gone. They could not survive. But then, around three years later... An expedition went to the island, and they found mosses and algae and flowering plants beginning to grow. And then a year after that, so four years after the uh, eruption, growth was rampant. Grass was actually so tall that adults could begin to hide in it and behind it. Destruction led to renewal And life to new creation. The island appeared barren and dead, but the seeds were germinating underneath the surface, and years later, new creation sprouted forth. In describing this scene in his book, Mark Sayers writes this. He says, Krakatoa reminds us that what may look like decline, loss, or even obliteration can be revival's launching pad. For such renewal to occur, all it takes is a single seed. And I might add one thing to this quote. All it takes is a single seed and time. The time between death new creation. And this story of Krakatoa is is not just the story of that island and that volcano, but it's the whole story of Scripture. It's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Hopefully you've heard about that in Core 100 or 150. If not, we're doing something wrong. God created the universe and everything in it. It was good. He called you and me very good. And as we unpacked just a few weeks ago, Adam and Eve were enticed by the fruit. And they went into hiding. There was a fall. There was a break in the relationship between them and God. But God went looking for them. And in a cry of love, he said, where are you? Come out of hiding. I want to redeem and restore you. And the rest of scripture is that story. God being steady and stable and faithful and constant, pursuing you and me, pursuing his people throughout generation. And he pursued us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to redeem us and restore us through his death and his resurrection. That's our story. And this is not just the story of scripture or even the whole universe. This is the story of each one of our individual relationships with people. My wife often says in every relationship there's a creation story a place where it begins relationships with parents or friends or professors or coworkers or your kids all have a starting point all have a creation story but every relationship also has a fall story a place where it breaks a time that you are betrayed or you betray A moment that you are abandoned or you abandon. In every relationship there is disappointment, missed expectations, and pain. There is some kind of break in the relationship. This is guaranteed, and I have no doubt that you have experienced this on some level in your life with someone you're in relationship with. There's no question about it. However, I do have this question. What is your response to that breaking? What is your response to the people that you experience a fall with? How do you react? Do you take the time for new creation to spring forth or not? And that's the question that I hope to address this morning... ...as we continue to learn to go at the pace of being known. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to read two verses for us. Verses 16 and 17. The Apostle Paul. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh... ...even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh... We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. How do you regard people? Do you regard them more according to the flesh, their sin, behavior, or look, or do you regard them as a new creation, as an image bearer of the living God, as very good? How do you view people that you've experienced a break or a fall with, your friends, your family, your spouse, your significant other, your co-workers, how do you view people who are different than you? that believe differently, that think differently, that vote differently, that just kind of do things differently? Do you primarily see flesh or beauty? Do you primarily see what people contribute to God's kingdom or what they restrict or take away from God's kingdom? Reflect on that for a moment. And as you're thinking through those particular people, here are some, maybe some practical diagnostic questions to go just a little bit further. What are you quicker to notice? The fact that your roommates or coworkers or family members left dishes in the sink, took days to respond to an email or text or snap, appeared distant, not present, or flakier than usual. Or that they're working really hard in class and have a lot going on at home and are trying to figure out how to balance it all and go at God's speed. Are you quicker to critique or encourage? Are you quicker to add more to someone's plate or bear their burden? And when a break or fall happens in a relationship, do you retreat from them? Do you create a narrative about them, a lie that's not true? Do you move on to the proverbial greener grass? Or do you stay? Do you stick it out with them? Are you honest with them and let them be honest with you? Do you pursue them despite the fall? despite the break in the relationship. A fear that I have for many of us, and and this is me included, is that we leave relationships before there's ever an opportunity for new creation to be experienced. And in part, our, our culture teaches us this, to to crush people, to retreat from people, or to move on to other people. Right? To crush those who've hurt us, or those who believe differently than us through harsh rhetoric that tears down and demeans. To crush through blaming or canceling. Or or maybe some of us just crush people um, because of our own shame, because we know we've caused pain in a relationship, so we cover it up with anger, so we don't have to deal with The reality of it. And this is not just political. This happens in the church as well. Maybe you in this room have had your mental health struggles blamed on a lack of faith. Or you've been demeaned by a Christian for voting differently or having a different theological view. Or committing a sin that's more socially unacceptable than their own. Maybe you just feel sometimes the church cares more about its reputation than justice. A world also teaches us to move on, to seek something better, to pursue what you want. The world tells us that better friends or a truer family is on the other side. And those ideas are not inherently true. Bad. There are some relationships, depending upon the situation, you may need to get out of in cases of abuse or other things like that. So I want you to hear me there. But I do think these ideas encourage us to flee the time between death and new creation. And fleeing too quickly might result in a few things... Maybe you flee and you find new friends in a new community and it's great for a while, but then you experience a break in those relationships. You realize the grass is not always greener and so you move on again. And it's a cycle of never having deep and true friendships because you always leave or you feel like people always leave you. And so sometimes when that happens, you stop seeking friendship or relationships altogether. You don't trust people. You've been hurt by them too much. So you retreat to isolation and hiding and begin to wonder if it's all your fault and what's wrong with you. And no one could like me. I'm just going to stay put. And we begin to get lonely and depressed and experience despair. Or maybe you find a community that's exactly like you in every single way. But the result of this at times is the tribal politics we have in our world. And sometimes the denominational divides we have in our churches. Aren't people hard? Aren't your roommates difficult? Isn't your spouse a little annoying? I love you, Gail. She's saying that about me. She's probably watching right now. Right. Friendships are hard. People are hard. The gospel is hard. Love is hard. To stick it out, to persevere with people between death and new creation is extremely difficult. So how do we do it? How do we begin to view people as new creation? How do we begin to see their beauty? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what Paul tells us. To view people in a different way, not according to the flesh, but as new creation. And why? Why should we view them in this way? Let's look at the... Verses right before it verses 14 and 15 for the love of christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died and again and he died for all so why because jesus died for all people everywhere Why should we see people as new creation? Let's again, let's go back to the text, verses 18 and 19. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. And listen to this, not counting their trespasses against them. Did you hear that? Not counting their trespasses against them. God does not count your trespasses against you. God sticks it out with you. He is stable. He sticks it out when you're wrong theologically, and I promise you're wrong somewhere, as am I, probably in this message somewhere. God sticks it out with you in your doubt and your questioning. God sticks it out with you in your anger towards him or towards others. God sticks it out with you when you ignore or avoid what he's calling you to do. He sticks it out with you in your addiction. He sticks it out with you when you're paralyzed in fear. And he sticks it out with you when shame makes you hide and retreat. That's his promise throughout all of scripture that I will be your God and you will be my people. God sticks it out with you. He perseveres. He is faithful. God is stable when we vacillate, and He gives grace upon grace upon grace. And through God's stability, we become new creation. We are formed and shaped more and more into his image because of his stability in the midst of our chaos. And I really believe, I think there's some of us in here, maybe everyone to some extent, who's coming in and just feels like their world is chaotic. School is too much. There's there's event after event after event. You're ready for spring. You're sick of the snow, and it's just terrible, and you feel like it is just chaotic, and there is no firm foundation, and there's no stable ground, and you're just kind of sinking, trying to get breath above water. And here's what I want to tell you. When your life feels chaotic, when you feel like nothing is going according According to plan, you are formed and shaped into his image because of his stability, even in the midst of your chaos. Even when you feel like you are not pursuing God and there's just not even time to do it, he's faithful. He sticks it out. He's stable. And you can trust that you're being formed and shaped into his image day after day after day after day because of his promise, I will be your God and you will be my people. how can he do that why can he view us in that way the blood of jesus the death of jesus has reconciled and restored and renewed us back to god god views you and i through the lens of jesus's blood and righteousness not our sin and behavior and we're called to do the same for others The last part of verse 19 says God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. We are called to stick it out with people, to be stable, not to crush or cancel, not to flee to isolation or move on to greener grass. Our paradigm for relationship is the blood of Jesus, not a person's sin or our own self-righteousness it's the grace and forgiveness and blood of jesus it's stability in the 6th century saint benedict a monk he took three traditional monastic vows fidelity chastity and obedience and he added a fourth stability And stability is the vow of a commitment to a place and to a people. It was the renouncing of our endless search of greener pastures and better brethren, is what our Godspeed study says. So what happens when we take a vow of stability? What happens when we stick it out with people, like God has stuck it out with us? What happens when we commit to a friend or a parent or a roommate over the long haul? Again, from our Godspeed series, here's what Father Giles says. He says, Very quickly, you see people's faults, but to see people's virtues takes longer. To learn to know them takes time. It's so true. We're so quick to regard people according to their faults, sin, or the fact they aren't like us. To see their beauty, to see new creation takes longer. And to truly know them and be known by them takes a lot of time. So what happens when you practice stability? When you commit to a people, you get to see growth in people. You get to see them become new creation. You get to see how they've moved from death to life. You get to see the grace of God at work in their lives. Throughout the last few years, I've gotten to stick it out with a few different people. One of them's my wife over the last eight and a half years. And through sticking it out with my wife... For the last eight-ish years that we've been married, I've gotten to see her move from paralyzing shame to setting the captives free through her roles as wife, mom, pastor, and friend. Through sticking it out with my good friend Derek Butine, who's over there, you probably know him. I have seen him move from worry and caution to trust and receptivity of what God is doing right now. And it's not just growth and new creation that I've gotten to see in them. They've gotten to see new creation in me. And I asked them this week what growth or virtue they've seen in me over the last number of years. And here are their responses. Gail said, through sticking it out with Sam, I've seen a move from performing pastor to vulnerable husband. And from Derek, he said, through sticking it out with Sam, I have seen him move from distracted with his future to present in the now. And can I just tell you, there's other people, there's coworkers who could be on this list, there's friends, there's family members, but Gail and Derek and and Jeremy and others, they have been God's grace in my life. They have extended his grace and compassion to me, and I hope that in turn I've extended it to them as well. And what we've gotten to see in each other is this move from death and sin and struggle to life and new creation and transformation. And if we leave too quickly, you'll never get to see it. You'll never get to experience it. You see, stability is not restrictive or boring. It's liberating and full of grace and the pathway to new creation. Matt Canlis writes this. He says, you cannot on your own set yourself free from the prison you put yourself into the expectations you put on yourself or maybe that you feel from others, you need somebody else to bring you out. You need other people to experience freedom. Stability creates a community of people where you receive grace when you expected judgment. You receive encouragement when you expected disappointment. Sticking out with people um, moves you from when you, you are invited, when you expected rejection. You get glory when you expected shame. You get to be known when you anticipated going into hiding. Becoming known through civility is a mutual process between you and others. It's a giving and a receiving of love and grace. And it's a model of the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have stuck it out together for all eternity. They've been in a stable relationship, giving and receiving love forever. And me and you are called to do the same. And it's impossible to go at the pace of being known by yourself. We need others. We need to commit to a people. We need stability. Because we serve a God who sticks it out with us to the very end until he returns. And all things, all things are made fully new. So will you do the same for others? Will you stick it out with them? Will you begin to see new creation in them? And as you do, I promise they'll see new creation in you too. You and your friends and your family and your church will be formed and shaped into God's image through stability with one another. You will be known and it will be liberated.